Welcome to the Surviving Odds Podcast. I'm Scott Merchant, and I'm joined by my good friend, Alex Gilbert. The Surviving Odds Podcast is geared towards awareness and the inspiration in the fight against cancer. Join us as we're going to talk through the events that support the fundraising for cancer and how you can get involved. We also hope to bring some amazing guests such as survivors to share their inspiration, committee members that are leading such events to raise the funds, and staff members from the American Cancer Society to bring awareness to the overall cause. So I think a good way to get started would be by introducing ourselves. So Alex, why don't you talk about your connection to the cause and how you got involved? Thank you, Scott. So, I know I'm one of many people that have been affected by cancer one way or another. I've had family members that have battled the disease and lost their battle to that disease. I've had family members that have gone through battles with breast cancer and survived multiple times. And uh, really, my story, uh, connection to the events with the American Cancer Society go back to when you and I started our DJ business uh, about seven, eight years ago now. And uh, when the American Cancer Society reached out to us to DJ the event uh, in Nashua for them, uh, we jumped at that opportunity just because of the fact that it has such close ties to both of us for those personal reasons. And uh, just the ability to be there to get the crowds going to, to put some energy out there with music and uh, just see everybody turn out for that uh, is always just so inspirational to me. So that's my connection. Uh, well, let's hear about your background a little bit, see where you connect to all of this. Thanks, Alex. So my connection's obviously a little bit personal as well. Um, I think it's about 10 years ago now, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer roughly two weeks before Christmas, so that naturally put a damper on the holidays, and I was honestly looking for any way to get involved and, you know, try to help her with the fight, I guess. So, I asked her what kind of events you know, she was involved in, um, as she became very, very active among the American Cancer Society and their events. Um, she participated in Relay for Life of Nashua, and she also was very into the Making Strides events. Um, and as you mentioned, when we started our DJ company at least eight years ago, um, it was quite the honor to be asked by the American Cancer Society to be the entertainment for the Making Strides of Nashua event. So I definitely agree that it's awesome to be the people providing the energy and getting the crowd pumped and ready to go before they take off on a walk. Okay, as we continue through the Surviving the Odds podcast, we just want to lay out the structure going forward 
we're going to focus a lot on the Relay for Life as that is the next event of the season, if you will. Relays typically happen in the summer, and we're going to focus on that going forward. So what is Relay for Life? That's a great question. So Relay for Life is a community-based team event that takes place in more than 5,200 communities in 20 countries. Relay for Life is the signature fundraiser for the American Cancer Society. Each relay event is very special to its community, but the movement's true power lies in the combined commitment of thousands of participants, the volunteers, and all the supporters to help the American Cancer Society save lives from cancer. So it's just as important to have participants and the volunteers as well as the people that are simply donating money. Every role is crucial. So now I'm going to pass it on over to Alex to talk about a little bit of a history of where Relay started and kind of lay the groundwork for where it came from. All right, so the idea for the Relay for Life event started back in May 1985, courtesy of Dr. Gordon Klatt in Tacoma, Washington. And he started it off because he wanted to raise money for the American Cancer Society. And he enjoyed marathons, uh, running and walking, and he thought this would be a great way to, to raise some awareness and start helping out in his community. And it started off with just himself and friends of his that paid $25 to run or walk for 30 minutes with him. And uh, when all was said and done, he personally raised $27,000 for research. And he was inspired at that point to find a way for other countries, other communities to be able to do the same type of event and really just spread the awareness, grow it as big as it could possibly be. And now it's what we know it as today. Like you said, Scott, it's gone to over 20 countries now. And it just continues to grow in ways that I don't even know if he knew were possible uh, just because of the raw emotion that comes from it, the the meaning it has to everybody. Um, So that is just a really brief history of it. Now I want to get you into the idea of what happens at these events, you know, step by step so you can have a better understanding of that. So I just want to touch on first, you said... $27,000 for the first relay. That's a pretty incredible amount for trying to do, dare I say, on a whim um, to benefit cancer research. So obviously you can see the commitment was there right from day one. So now we're going to talk about what exactly to expect at a relay for life. They are very different from community to community. However, they all have the same groundwork. So the first thing that you can expect, the very first thing, is relay participants are welcomed at an opening ceremony. So teams arrive, they set up their campsites around the track, and they get ready to spend the rest of their night, you know, walking and raising money for the cause. 
So the biggest part of that is obviously starting it off and kicking it off with guest speakers, usually survivor speaker, um, and things like that. So the opening ceremony usually includes the national anthem and a guest speaker to welcome everybody and really just set the tone for the uh, the rest of the event. And once the opening ceremony has concluded, that sets way for the very first lap of the event, which is the survivor lap. And the survivor lap, uh, as it uh, basically says in its name, that's when the survivors and the people currently affected by cancer will walk that very first lap to get everything started and everybody around them uh, is typically cheering for them, um, having big rounds of applause, you know, just basically welcoming them and trying to uh, inspire them to keep fighting and, like I said, cheering as loud as they can um, and, and really setting the tone for the remainder of the laps for the event. So directly after the survivor lap, um, the, the survivors are then joined on the track by the caregivers. Um, caregivers are obviously a very integral part to a survivor's treatment. Um, they're the one a lot of times bringing them to appointments, um, you know, getting them the resources they need, helping them with day-to-day things that they may struggle with. Um, maybe most importantly, even keeping, keeping them in an upbeat, positive attitude, um, obviously goes a long way. So the caregivers do get their own lap and it recognizes those who have provided the support for their loved ones during their cancer treatments. And in most cases, even beyond that. So they join the survivors and they take the second lap around the track. And following that, right after the caregivers and the survivors have taken their respective laps, that is when everyone else, all the people from the rest of the teams and the rest of the crowd that's there, join in on the festivities. Uh, They join on the track, start taking their laps with everybody else. And that's where it said that the celebration of the event really begins and that's really what it comes down to is it is a celebration to keep pushing the survivors that are there and the people that are currently battling and also to celebrate the lives of of those that have been lost so that very next lap is where it really opens up to everybody else that's there from the community and then as the night progresses so that that lap Everybody from every team joins the survivors and caregivers, as Alex was talking about. But from then on out, the requirement is that one person from each team is always on the track for the remainder of the event. So there's always one representative minimum, you know, that's representing the team on the track. And... You know, that's just to symbolize the ongoing fight against cancer basically all night long, even though it's really a never ending never ending fight even after the after the event ends. But um 
teams do try to keep one person on the track at all times um, for the remainder of the event. So while all these laps are taking place, as Scott, you alluded to earlier before we uh, got into the actual lap structure, there are campsites uh, throughout the area because usually this is a big open area that um, the event is held in. And uh, so every team brings something of their own to these events to help really make it their own community's version of the relay. There are different activities, different things that teams bring to um, sell for you know, the money to go towards their team's numbers for um, donation, um, different games, uh, food that's there. So there are a lot of different tents that you can visit throughout the entire event, and you're always encouraged to do so. Um, announcements are always made throughout to let you know um, special activities that might be going on in the center of the area, as well as the individual team events that are going on because they do happen periodically throughout the entire event. So that's just always ongoing throughout the entire thing. So the event continues. Each lap is a duration of basically an hour. And a lot of laps are themed. But as the day turns into night and darkness falls, darkness is really a symbol of the fear that a patient feels when they become diagnosed. So after sunset, they light what's called luminarias. And this is done to remember those who have lost their battle to cancer and to celebrate the cancer survivors who show those affected by cancer that they're not alone. Uh, This is a very impactful lap it usually starts in complete darkness, um, and that lap, the first time around the track, is usually completed in complete darkness to a various song that um, just really sets the mood and the tone for how serious um, that lap is and the meaning it brings to the whole event. We've seen that lap um, basically be done to live bagpipes, uh, which really brings more emotion just from the sound of the bagpipes, um, which is incredible and very well done. So then they round up the event with closing ceremonies. They make a point of thanking all the volunteers that have put a lot of hard work into making this event what it is, setting the structure, all the pieces that go with it, um, making sure all the teams get set up and organized properly, um, and everything goes off without a hitch. Uh, Once they do the closing ceremonies, they encourage everyone to continue to take part in these events, to continue to participate in their communities, and to participate in other uh, events that are of similar nature. Um, So... Just because that one event is done, the work never ends until cancer ends. So that's basically what you would expect at a Relay for Life event. Um, As mentioned before, they really do differ from community to community. 
Um, Alex and I have been very privileged to have actually DJed three separate events in three different communities. Um, and we can very, very much attest to the fact that they are all very different. Um, there's a lot of different energy that goes in it from event to event. And I mean, that stems from the committee all the way down to the individual teams and individuals that are at those events. It's all tied to the personal experiences that each of those communities bring. And that really dictates the spin that they put on it. Uh, we talked about this many times where you can talk to somebody and tell them about these events um, as much as you want, try to tell them how emotional and inspirational it is. Um, but when it comes down to it, you can never really get the full effect of an event like this unless you're actually there participating in it, you know, to the, to the fullest, you know, it's, there's nothing like being there in person. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a true, true statement right there, especially the Luminaria lap is really, I think the best example of that. It doesn't really, doesn't really matter what somebody tells you. I mean, they could be there with you, you know, on the phone and telling you verbatim, what is happening and you could hear the music and whatnot that's playing. But unless you're there, you don't get the, the true impact. And I guess I would call it the feeling. I mean, you, there's truly a feeling in the crowd and it's just so impactful, um, with how they're done. You know, we've experienced one where the community banded together and their Luminaria lap actually began with them reading off in alphabetical order all of the names of people in their community who have lost their life to cancer. And it's truly moving. There's there's no other real word, in my opinion, to describe it other than the fact that it's just moving. Yeah, there's usually never a a dry eye for very long when that time frame comes. Um, and they, I mean, they keep those names very up to date. So there could be people that have just recently passed that they include on that. And that, I mean, you never forget anybody who passes away, especially to cancer or the people who just recently passed away. It's more uh, recent to memory. It's still, there it still stings because it's still very recent and when you hear the names of the people you, people that submitted those names to be read they deal with that loss every single day uh, especially in the holidays have got to be the hardest times to cope with that but when you're there at the event knowing what that part of the event is all about and you hear that name being read off, you can't fight the emotion. You can't stop the emotion. It just comes out. And when you see that, when you experience that in real time, it just has an everlasting effect on you. And a greater understanding is given to you as to what we're fighting for in all of this. And I think to your point with the holidays and stuff, I mean, yeah, people deal with that loss every single day. But I mean, it's just the American Cancer Society has really brought forth 
the notion of every cancer patient and survivor, the goal is just one more birthday. And honestly, that may be the the worst holiday, so to speak, for many of the people that have lost people is that, you know, that first birthday that comes around after they've lost their, their battle to it, um, just in regards to that's really the celebration that you've, you've made it another year. And, um, you know, that, that's what they're there trying to do is guarantee more birthdays to people and put an end to this, this disease. Cause it's, it's impacting far too many people and, you know, Relay really does a great job at showing you the impact that people can have. Um, you know, I think you said, Alex, that it, it started in 1995 and... 1985. 85, my bad. And uh, the impact it's had over the years is millions of dollars, if not more. Um, so it's, it's truly, truly amazing to see what the communities coming together, you know, can put their mind to and the funds that they can, they can raise out of it. All right. I think one of the most incredible things that I've taken out of these events over the several years now that we've DJed at them and we've been at them and participated is I think an understanding from some people, a lot of people is that it's, Older folks, middle-aged folks, uh, people over a certain age that tend to migrate to these because of their life experiences, being around longer, knowing more. But clearly this whole event started from someone that was in college. And from that point on, we've seen many kids that are in high school, kids that are younger than high school, junior high and younger than that, that are there. And while the really, really, really little ones may not fully comprehend the impact and importance of this event, the, the kids that are in junior high and high school uh, and such up to college, it just impresses me not just how knowledgeable they are about everything, but how willing they are to raise you know, funds for the event, you know, they're willing to put in some work to the event to help out, you know, whether it's setting up, cleaning up, um, getting their, their schools involved and the rest of the community. Like there are a lot of kids in high school that will start little fundraisers of their own. They don't have to do it, but they want to give something back and they want to contribute. And that's really awesome to see that there's no age limitation. Everybody is willing to put in what they can to this. Yeah, everybody definitely plays. And like you said, the schools are a big part of it. Um, you know, there's there's schools specifically in the Nashua event. I can definitely tell you that um, each school has their own team. And they, you know, kind of make it a competition who can raise more money um, from the different schools. So it's just it's incredibly, incredible to see the difference in the younger people that want to come out and make a difference and they sacrifice that time, um, to really put the effort in to that event. And I mean, this event is great because it's, it's not just, you know, some people may think it's depressing because you're there and you're walking for cancer all night. But I mean, there's usually, obviously we DJ it. So there's obviously music 
and stuff going on. But, you know, can't forget that they, they have themed laps to really draw out the the fun and the laughter. And we've seen some pretty pretty outrageous and crazy themes for Relay and lap themes. And it's just amazing to see the creativity these people come up with. And I think an important thing to mention is that not everyone that comes to these events, that participates, that joins a team, that takes part, have been necessarily uh, personally affected by cancer in their own lives, but they know people that are close to them that have or um, they've heard stories of other people that they know that have dealt with cancer, that have passed away from cancer, and it actually motivated them and inspired them to want to help to give back and do whatever they can to help end the disease. And so they give back and volunteer of their, their own time and they're so happy to do so. There's never anything more than positivity at any of these events from everybody that's there. And like I said, they all, they all put in their own touch to it and with every community that we've gone to, you know, they've really made it their own. The, the the structure and the layout of these events are all the same, but the the way that they orchestrate them um, is very unique to that community. Uh, from the reading of the names in the luminaria laps to the the themes of the laps that they come up with, and um, the other little activities and events that they do, you know, it's all personally based on the community and the teams and what they come up with. So while the whole idea is the same, you know, every event is, has its differences uh, to a point. And again, you can't really experience that and understand it unless you're personally there. Uh, it's the only way you're, you're ever going to get the full effect and the full impact of it all. I mean, you, you just touched on it a little bit with, you know, how they're all different and everything. And, you know, I think that's something that really celebrates is the uniqueness of everyone who's interested in, you know, making cancer end sooner rather than later. Um, and there's just, there's so many ways to be involved in Relay for Life, um, you know, in the local communities, whether you're donating to somebody who's walking on a team or is part of a team, um, whether you're somebody that wants to be a team captain of a team or a volunteer or, you know, any sort of participant. If you're a survivor and, you know, you don't really know what to do. I mean, this this event is for you to celebrate, you know, those people that haven't lost their lives as well as the people that unfortunately have lost their lives. And it really does bring a a uniqueness to it as far as the differences between each of them. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely important that people get out there. And I would say I would challenge people to, if you've never been to a relay, there's no time like the present. There's They're all starting to pop up right around, probably mid-June would be when they start. And I think some of them go into early July. So, I mean, there's... You can go to um, acs.org and locate your 
community relay and where it is, um, depending on where you live, you might be close to multiple ones. And I would challenge you to, you know, check one out if you have not done so already. Um, you know, Alex and I are privileged to have been asked to DJ the Relay for Life in Derry and Londonderry of New Hampshire this year. So we'll be back there and providing the entertainment and um, keeping those people energized for their event. It's um, it's definitely a fun fun event and a moving event all at the same time. So I would challenge people to find the event that's near them and at least give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, one of the key points uh, for us here in talking about this event is trying to raise that deeper awareness and hopefully trying to increase participation, um, seeing more people there. Uh, One of the cool things we have in this day and age in modern times is uh, our social media. And that's one of the greatest tools that we have to get it out there. And uh, most people in this day and age have some form of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, one of those. And um, those can really be used to reach out to uh, more people than just who's there, uh, really spread more awareness to it, get more information. Uh, so that's, that's something that, you know, in addition to the challenge of going to a relay to experience it for yourself personally, uh, you know, we'd also challenge you to use your social media um, and put out there what your experience is, uh, share it with other people, you know, if you feel as such, you know, try to inspire them to want to go as well. And, you know, we, we just want to continue to increase the fight. And, you know, one day we, we hope that we can end this. So hopefully you'll join us uh, on that. And we hope to hear from you. And just a, one more thing to touch on the social media aspect of it, that a lot of these events, um, we've actually seen corporate sponsors that um, sometimes based on funds raised uh, will donate a portion of money from their company based on every dollar raised. Or um, I know one year for one of the events, um, there was a corporate company that donated, I think it was $5 every time a certain hashtag was used on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. So there's a lot to be said about how to raise the funds. And, I mean, there's there's ways just to make some more fundraising dollars into your team or into the event itself just simply by, you know, saying you're at Relay, hashtag, you know, whatever that particular hashtag is that they're they're donating for. I mean, that's that's free money to to get from larger companies that maybe they don't have a team or maybe that's their way of participating is on social media because that seems to be, you know, one of the biggest outlets to get that voice heard. And we have our own social media outlets as well. Um, Pretty much one of every kind, I think. And uh, we're going to be happy to share those with you as we continue here. And we really hope that you'll reach out to us on those as well as to follow us on those um, to share in our journey with this and, and hopefully to share your journey with it as well. 
And I mean, we will provide more information on this coming up, but definitely if you have topics or questions regarding events that you'd like more info on, we'd be happy to cover them and answer those questions for you or maybe host a guest speaker interview type deal to get those questions answered. Um, So we'll provide some more information to you in the next episode on how you can reach out to us and get those questions answered or um, let us know what topics you're looking to hear about. And I'm excited for one of the future episodes where we are aiming to sit down and talk with uh, hopefully at least a couple, if not more survivors um, that we'll be able to meet up with and get their personal perspective on these events um, to what it really means to them. And and that's something I'm excited for um, because there's no better perspective than someone who literally lives it. Uh, I think that that's going to be the best eye-opening perspective that we're going to be able to provide to people through them themselves. So I really look forward to that. So as we close out this first episode of Surviving the Odds, we'd like to put a call to action out there. So I would say my first call to action is to anybody new to Relay, um, to any of these events, if you've never done it before, um, my first call to action would be get out there, find your local event. Um, very easy to do on acs.org. Um, you know, it's as simple as punching in your zip code, and it'll tell you the local events that are in your area, and you can join right then and there. Um, but anybody new to this, I would definitely encourage you to become involved, go attend an event. Um, A lot of these events you can just walk up to. You don't even have to register right away if it's something you want to check out, but I would definitely encourage you to register so, you know, attendance can be tracked and they can see the increase in participation and the people coming to check it out. Uh, Definitely a great event to come check out. Uh, We are very very much local to New Hampshire. And like I said, we will be at the Dairy London Dairy Relay for Life. And I would put a challenge out to anybody in our local area to come on out to the Dairy London Dairy Relay for Life and, you know, spend some time there, walk the track, um, come meet the survivors and the staff and the various vendors that put this all together and make it all possible but that is my call to action is to have as much new participation as possible and to get out there and enjoy it and you know let's make the most impact we possibly can in uh in our community so we're just looking to have as many new people these events come in and take it all in uh, as, as much as possible. So my call to action goes out to the committee members and staff members and the teams of the events 
my call to action to you is to go out there and find new innovative ideas, uh, events, things you can do to get more participation, to get more exposure to the events out there within the communities, whether it's continued work through the schools or other venues. Uh, but I would encourage you to go out there and find other activities and other fundraising events, other ways to really drum up more exposure, like I said, um, to the Relay for Life to get more people involved, uh, to provide more knowledge as we're doing here today on this event so everyone has a much more fonder understanding of it. Uh, so again, my call to action is for those people on committees on the staffs, on teams to go out there and find more ways to get everybody involved uh, at a higher rate as ever seen before. So I think that'll wrap it up for us in this episode and we will look forward to coming back with the next episode and hopefully having a guest speaker or survivor that we can kind of share their story and get a different perspective on it. So we hope you will all join us for the next episode. And until then, check out the information we've provided and uh, just try to become involved. Thank you for listening.